Hi, Sarah. It's Mandy calling. I am sending you a little voice memo prompt to see if you wanted to provide any content, i.e. experiences, that we could share with Mandyland listeners about your experience during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, particularly with having cancer right now and how this is affecting you, including your physical um, treatment, I guess, if you want to. But one thing I'd love to hear you talk about is the um, idea about how, how it makes you feel less alone knowing that other people are in this state. I think you know what I mean by that, but um, could you talk about that and anything else that you want to share with people to help them gain insight into what it's like to be living with cancer while in a pandemic? Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, talk to you soon. Love you lots. Miss you. Bye. ask me questions that you want to know the answers to and I will answer them okay well that sounds great um also you're posting audio for this right you're not posting yes because I'm not camera ready like yeah yeah no 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 I was dressing up for you not for the camera okay yeah just check um okay well I'm already recording I know kind of like the soft into it so um what day are uh, we on I was trying to figure this out I didn't go back to the numbers. I think last of week, the pandemic. Well, of like quarantine. I started my self quarantine on March thirteenth. So okay. So for me, so, it's been like thirty-one minus thirteen, which that is like eighteen is this... plus thirty, so forty-eight days. Okay, so I'm. I feel like I'm on the exact same schedule because the thirteenth was the day that it was announced that schools were closing. Mm-hmm. Um. It could, and then, like, I don't know, whatever, like the 18th, I think it was, when it was considered a global pandemic. I can't remember because that was after whatever. So I'm on the same timeline as you. So, yeah, it's been a while. Um, yeah, that's a good starting point because, yeah, yeah we're, we're in it. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. I mean, whatever. We don't need to talk about how long it's going to be because we don't know. It'll be interesting. But uh, people are having various reactions to this. And and throughout the last seven weeks, there's been a lot of different reactions. Can you um, sort of talk about what your experience has been like during this time? I mean, you also came back. I don't know if you want to talk about this, but you came back from international travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then did have to self. Actually, you didn't self-quarantine because that wasn't required at the time. But you were essentially self-quarantine naturally fell into that pattern based Mm -hmm. on a few factors yeah yeah so when all this hit for me I had just gone on a vacation to Mexico which um, was a very generous gift from my aunt and uncle so I had thought in the few days leading up to that trip because things were starting to brew and you in particular and Katie my friend in Australia were expressing concern over the fact that the virus was 
spreading and suggested maybe you should like take preventative measures and like wear a mask when you're on the plane. And I thought for a few days about canceling that trip. But I thought the- for a few days about you canceling that. I was really worried yeah. about you going. I'm glad really? you went in the end. Yeah, yeah. I was, but I didn't want to, I mean, I didn't want to <laughs> say that that way, but I was worried about you going. Yeah. So just for perspective for anyone who's listening and doesn't know the background. So I, I am currently living with cancer and I've been living on various types of chemotherapy and treatment for the past year and a half. And as a result of some of those treatments, I can go through periods of being immune compromised. So I would qualify as being someone who's like in a quotes vulnerable population. So that's why I was concerned about traveling a little bit more and why you were concerned about me traveling a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But all that said, the reason I decided I absolutely have to go is that I haven't had a vacation in I don't know how long, um, where I haven't been like knocked down and ended up being very sick during the vacation also. Mm-hmm. And so I was feeling strong. All the flights were booked. I knew I would be able to relax and be taken care of with my family members. So I still went. Um, so I flew through Miami and had to transfer flights in Miami, but then went straight to Cancun. And at the time, there were not really many cases being reported in Mexico. But of course, I was going to a resort and there were like... International people. people. Yeah, (laughs) people from Europe and people from Canada. So in the end, that ended up being like a little bit more of a concern. So anyway, so I took this trip. I came back on March 6th and I was totally exhausted after the trip and had to kind of just sleep through the weekend. But... um, to be honest, that's not super uncommon for when I travel. It wears me out and uh, I didn't really think too much of it. However, a week later, I started having a cough. So that would have been the March 13th date. And that was when I started self-quarantining. Um, I didn't leave the house that other week except to go to an acupuncture appointment and a therapy appointment. But again, like I could have come in contact with people through there. So the cough ended up being... Um, what I think was COVID-19 since I developed symptoms that were very consistent with what everyone was reporting and I could not get tested because that was really early in this process and they did not have enough tests uh, anywhere in the States or in Florida where I'm living. So I still don't know for sure if it was COVID-19, but I'm pretty sure that it was. Well, soon we'll be able to do antibody testing and find out. (laughs) Hopefully. Yeah. From what I hear, they're still working on those tests and they're also far from being widely available, but yeah, I yeah. would like to know for sure once that comes out. So that was sort of my entree to the whole global pandemic experience being um, sick, being a little more concerned than I would normally be because I felt like I could be impacted in a way that would send me to the hospital. Um, And then also, you know, just worried about how this was going to impact my treatments and access to healthcare in general, because I'm using healthcare pretty regularly and it would be nice to be able to talk to my doctors and go to the hospital if I needed to, just in case. Yeah. Can I ask, has your, you haven't done chemo since this, have you? Like, no, you haven't. Right. And that was, and that's your decision or is that because it's been halted? That is because the recommendation 
for our hospital here in a relatively small city in Florida was stop all non-essential treatments. Right. And since I wasn't in the middle of a particular set of chemo rounds or on a prescribed regimen of chemo, I'm just sort of maintaining treatments uh, in the long term. Mm-hmm. It was thought, you know, like, first of all, get better. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be doing treatment while you're sick. Um, but also just stay away from the healthcare facilities for now because you're at yeah. an increased risk for picking something up and we also don't want you to transmit anything unknowingly. So I've been off treatment and I haven't been to clinics. I've been having telehealth appointments, which is really great that they set that up quickly. But mm-hmm. I actually found out just today that I can go and get uh, scanned again. So that's okay. So I can start to kind of pick up where I left off. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, so how, how, like, what's it, um, I mean, what's it been like, there's a, like, there's so many different unique perspectives you have. Um, like, have you, I guess I'm curious as to like, have you been worried about this? Like, have you been worried about, I mean, you've looked at the stats, um, okay. you know, in terms of like who is liable to encounter severe complications from it. I mean, you know, if you had it and you, you know, then great, because you got over it. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's great. But you know, did that worry you at all? Um, Did it worry you being in the States because you're a Canadian? Yeah, I mean, all of the above. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, but I'll start with the first point, which I think has been the most, um, profound and maybe the most relevant, which is how does COVID-19 affect people with cancer? And I keep getting emails through the university where I work and through like various listservs that I subscribe to. And it's just pushing all of these webinars and like websites and resources. The relationship between COVID-19 and cancer, things you need to know. And I've actually attended three webinars thinking, oh, maybe I'll learn something helpful. But it's mainly just, you know, explaining what COVID-19 is and then all of the precautions that we should all be taking as humans. Um, because at this point, we, re- like, we barely understand COVID-19 progression in a healthy human being. So mm-hmm. apart from reporting a little bit on data that's come out from China, because they've now been able to collate and analyze all that data, there's a few stats on like maybe people with this type of cancer are at more risk and maybe not. Like that's, that's essentially right. the like nitty gritty information that's coming out. But as with most of my experiences interacting with the Western medical system, I realized pretty early on that the kinds of answers or the kinds of insight I was looking for are not something that's going to necessarily come. I mean, granted, like there are plenty of doctors out there who think this way, but it's in the like top priority of medical information that they are trying to disseminate. It's not necessarily what they're thinking about. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was more like, how do I, how do I deal with this potential like increased risk to myself, given what's going on in the world? And um On the flip side, like how will my personal path through treatment and survival and thriving or however you want to describe it in cancer world language, how will that um, look now that this major 
uh, anvil has fallen on my little healthcare world and also the United States and North America and the globe. So, so that was kind of something that I actually felt pretty well equipped to deal with because in a sense, this is not that different than things I've gone through as an individual, like finding out I had cancer in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so that brings me to the sort of deeper emotional experience that I had when all of this began, even though I was sick um, and had to kind of rearrange some important professional stuff that was happening in those few weeks. I had this overwhelming sense of relief when governments started to respond and when um, health officials were making recommendations saying this is a risk, what's wise now is to cancel your travel, don't travel to other states, stay home, actually like stay inside your house, take these precautions, increase your hand washing, do all of these things. Telling the world to shut down mm-hmm. made me feel like I was being taken care of for the first time by the global population. Mm-hmm. And that this burden that I have been carrying as an individual for the past few years, like feeling it more emotionally at sometimes than others, all of a sudden the, the work, like the emotional and psychological work that I've been doing to take care of myself was being distributed across mm-hmm. everybody in the world for the first time. And in that very acute situation of me feeling sick and having to make a call about honoring a commitment versus not when I decided to say, I can't be there for this because I'm showing COVID symptoms and it's a public health risk for me to Mm -hmm. travel. Yeah. That to me was a big relief because all of a sudden all I had to deal with in my world was taking care of myself and getting better. I didn't have to worry Mm -hmm. about explaining things, why I was more concerned about my health status, why I felt more reservations about traveling. It was just, equalized and that was a huge weight off my shoulders which was surprising to me actually but yeah 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 I find that concept really interesting I mean I know we talked about that before but um I mean I like I think it's it's interesting from your perspective but I also wonder how many other people with like chronic health conditions who they who aren't able to talk about it all the time or you know don't feel like there's a world that supports um a real taking care of themselves feel like they they can't say that um and and then it's like this really valid uh reason is there which actually is a the bigger question is like why isn't the original reason of of as valid and why did it take a pandemic for individual health needs to not be prioritized but um but nonetheless that is that is the experience you've had and i i bet other people have had that too you know yeah definitely i mean it it ranges from being a very practical thing like wow everybody else all of a sudden is conscious of staying home if they're sick and like it's socially um frowned upon to go out of doors and be coughing um, it's now socially frowned upon to leave the house without a mask. Uh, yeah. You know, all these things that a lot of other countries do 
to protect their communities kind of naturally. Mm-hmm. Now it's being more widely accepted or adopted here. Yeah. Um, and those are things that if you are an individual who's compromised, you have to be a lot more conscious of when you're not in a, a culture or a society that kind of just naturally does those things anyways. Yeah. But then it also spans to the more sort of psychological response that people have. Like, I think if you, I would always hesitate to wear a mask in public before mm-hmm. all of this because you you look very different than everyone else and people wonder what's wrong with you and you're calling attention to yourself in a way that I like I don't like to call attention to myself in that way I'd rather fly below the radar especially being a white North American who Mm -hmm. uh as a culture or whatever segment of the population we don't we don't do that as Mm -hmm. readily so it's you know yeah yeah i i know here uh it's still not as many people are wearing masks like we have some masks i have one in the car so if i go grocery shopping yeah. i wear one into stores um but if i'm just out running i don't wear one yeah. um it's so it's like kind of it's like 50 50 in the stores but i know i was i forgot Earlier on, like I mean, two weeks ago, I went to a um, row um, meat store and mm-hmm. I didn't have mine on. And there's about half the people in line had that. And I felt so uncomfortable. And I was like, I'm now the minority. Like, it's interesting how, yeah. Yeah. how quickly it started to shift as opposed to being, you know, socially conscious of wearing one if I was, you know, in the minority on that end. So it is totally. really interesting to see all that change. Yeah. But um also I just wanted to talk about that idea of like the rest of the world coming online and I really I feel like that idea of like if you're sick stay home is so important for general yeah. health and well-being like we, yeah. we should all be practicing that and I remember being getting really conscious of it when I was pregnant and I mm. remember very explicitly sitting down on, at a meeting with someone and I was pregnant and he was sitting there like just like full on nose runny, like, you know, like just like messy. And I was like, I'm pregnant and this person is sitting here like infecting me right now. And I also got quite um, like conscious of germs when I was pregnant, like I couldn't touch the subway handles and all that stuff. So, so I got, I got very concerned about it and mm-hmm. probably didn't need to, but I did. Um, but that's when I became really conscious of it. I was like, if people are sick, why are they not staying home? Like, this is crazy. Um, and I remember actually also with all the COVID stuff, I was teaching and it was, I taught it Thursday, Thursday morning and it was the 12th. It was March 12th. So just before the, everything started, all the universities and schools started to to close down. Mm-hmm. And I canceled my class the night before because Asher was sick and I was like, if he has COVID, I might have COVID. I don't want to go to my class. I can do this online. Like it doesn't have yeah. to happen this way. And I was felt really bad about canceling it. And then a day later, everything closed down. And that felt like validation for me. Yeah. Even though I was like trying to be conscious of it before, but I was like, but everyone else isn't conscious yet. So I feel like I'm just like, you know, weak or whatever. So it was interesting to see my own mind go through that process too. Oh, totally. Yeah, I think 
Well, part of it probably has to do with our culture of just um, work through it. And if you can manage your symptoms with over-the-counter drugs and you're just coughing a little bit, then go ahead, like keep working. You know, and it's hard when you work at a university where you're, you are probably surrounded by undergrads who are really stressed out at specific points in the year and more susceptible to picking up viruses Mm -hmm. themselves. So we always just are very clear um, in our lab and in our research environments that, you know, it's important to take care of yourself. And if you're sick, stay home, rest up, get better, focus on getting better instead of pushing through and thinking you're going to be letting people down. I think that's, it's something that hopefully after this is over that we reevaluate as a workplace culture um, to a big extent, because I think this is just pointing out how that cannot be the best way to operate in the long term. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I do wonder how many of my students appreciated that because I know a lot of them have, have had a lot of anxiety around this. Like it, it's come mm-hmm. out in some of their test answers and stuff where I allowed them to talk about stress and anxiety in the context of neuroscience. And yeah. a lot of them brought up COVID-19 and how they're feeling. And um, and so it's quite, impact. it's impacting them hugely, so. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's good to, I mean, that's interesting. It's also like, to me, that's good to hear. That's one of the things I've sort of wondered being alone in my world and not able to interact with acquaintances, people who you work with. Um, I know that some of us are probably feeling this in different ways than others, but one thing that didn't really occur to me because I'm, I'm like a deeper feeler and uh, <laughs> maybe a little bit more in touch with my emotions surrounding many aspects of what's going on in the world than others is that there are lots of people out there who are just thinking, well, you know, this is life as planned, but we're just operating from our homes instead of going to the workplace. And the SARS-CoV-2 slash COVID-19 global pandemic is not personally affecting me because nobody I know is sick, nobody I know has died. And I didn't have to cancel any travel. Therefore, I don't have a reason to engage with it. And I, mm-hmm. I don't have any reason to lose productivity over it. So both as like a, yeah, as a beating themselves up because there's no reason for me to not be productive because none of these things are actually affecting me. But also like, a, oh, well, it's not directly touching my life. Therefore, I don't have any emotions about it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you had said that about some interactions with um, some students and I was actually surprised that people were taking that stance at all because um, I haven't heard anyone talk about it like that but for whatever reason I don't know if it's they aren't saying it to me or whatever but I've I've heard the opposite I've heard you know a lot of students being quite um, anxious about it yeah so and and for their own health, like they're, you know, worried about their own health and, uh, you know, and the circumstances of employment and all that stuff. But no one is saying, you know, oh, I wish I could be, you know, going out into the public. And they're just like, this is hard, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's funny because I think like probably you and I are highly skewed in the types of people we talk to. 
kids. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, maybe the majority is not really feeling like this is significantly impacting them. And when I, after I had a couple of conversations in particular, I sat back and I was thinking about, you know, how this relates to my personal experience. And it reminds me of when I got my first diagnosis. Because what happened in my um, situation is I, I felt a tumor in my arm and I ended up having um, quick access to healthcare and MRI scan and a quick diagnosis. And it seemed like this is just a little isolated tumor. We're going to get rid of it and um, you can go on with your life. No big deal. So even though there's this big word of like cancer hanging over your head every day, it also seemed like a very tractable situation. And so I felt um, kind of, you know, adrenaline was pumping and it's like, let's figure out what to do and let's get it done as quickly as possible. And that ended up being some radiation treatments for a month and then having surgery. And then that was basically what I thought was gonna be the end. So I didn't really, in retrospect, right. have a lot of feelings about me being someone with cancer. Like, obviously, I would have days and having to tell people that's what was going on. There's this um, depth of impact and you know stigma maybe associated with the concept of cancer. But I personally didn't really feel like it was going to affect my path or my life in a big way. Right. And it was right. not until after I had surgery. And I think it was like, Two weeks after I had that surgery, which is now just almost exactly four years ago, I got a phone call from my doctor saying that the pathology came back and they had looked at like in detail at the tumor and it had surrounded one of my blood vessels. So that put me at an increased risk for having cancer cells go out into the rest of my body. And so they wanted me to do some chemotherapy in follow-up to the surgery. And I remember after that phone call and finding out I had to do chemotherapy, that was what really hit me right in the heart and it felt like the world that I had known was now going to crumble down and I couldn't just go back to normal and there's lots of reasons for that but that was a pivotal moment and I feel like for many people they might go through this COVID-19 pandemic without having a pivotal moment like that yeah Um, but it doesn't mean that this is not a a crisis and that it's not also a trauma and that it's not affecting them as individuals. And it's also, I think people will feel might have it at different times. Like my pivotal moment was very early. Mine was on March 13th. It was the day that I knew schools were canceled, as you know, because I texted you and I was having a pretty bad breakdown because I was re-triggered. Like I was triggered from past, Mm -hmm trauma like I couldn't do this as a mom with being home and all that stuff and I don't need to go into it but um because I go into it other places <laughs> um but it was it was like a, a trigger and it lasted for about 24 hours a little bit more than 24 hours and then I I switched and then I realized that life as we know it is different mm-hmm. whether we go back to the same kind of norm or a variation of it this is a huge effect and now it is it's like seven weeks like we have there's so many implications of it so anyway my point is just like I had my pivotal moment and I've seen other people 
kind of have them at different points mm -hmm. and then that's where things sort of shift and when it's like where it sinks in and some people probably haven't had that yet and and they might not know till later yeah you know yeah. like because yeah. it is a crisis like it is it's shift something's shifted you know yeah yeah totally i think it ties in a lot to grief and um sort of the unexpected way that grief happens that you might not realize that you are grieving something and then it pops up for you in different ways and it continues seemingly indefinitely mm -hmm. because you know whether it's finding out you have cancer or losing a loved one or getting divorced or um living through uh, an event that has this profound impact on the entire planet our the way that we frame our experience and the way that we thought things were going to happen is now just like thrown upside down and shaking yeah. so no matter what we're all reevaluating plans in the short term and plans for the next 12 months and maybe plans for the next few years and that in itself even if it doesn't feel like um a sad or frustration inducing or anger inducing thing there's a certain level of major life event to it that could yeah. definitely bring on the different stages of grief yeah for sure and i wonder if that's also part of what you feel like the whole world came online with you about because there you know you said that it was that moment where you had to do chemo and you knew life was going to be different. Something like regardless, something would be different. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it, I, I think for me, it's like a lot of a loss of independence and that, you know, loss mm -hmm. of like being in control. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it, as trivial as it is, I've been grieving over the fact that I couldn't go do circus. And because I used to be able to just decide, it's like, I want to go do this. I go, it's my choice. And like, we have this like warped sense of control mm -hmm. in this very luxurious um, privileged life. And then yeah. in an instant it got taken away. And that's the same thing that happened with your, not your diagnosis, but the chemo trajectory, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You put it well, it's a very sudden loss of the luxury of planning. Yeah. That many of us are really used to and that many of us use as a coping strategy. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, like even going to the grocery store. Yeah. Like you can't just walk. Like I, you know, like that was a, that's been a, a source of anxiety for me that yeah. I can't just like go run to the grocery store if I need things. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and that's just how it is. I mean, I'm fine now and I've like adapted, but that was, that was a source of anxiety during this. I can't plan how I'm going to be getting all my food and then there's not food and you, whatever, all those other things. But you know, it's, it's a scary, like what? We yeah. don't have all the things that we thought we deserved in this world. <laughs> yeah. You well, know? and you see like in the first two weeks, we definitely saw the um, the first types of reactions that people are prone to, which is panicking and stockpiling and hoarding. Um, yeah. And I think to some extent that's still happening. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm really 
<laughs> I've seen myself go through this many times, like before every round of chemo I did in the beginning, I would all of a sudden need to make sure I had like five bags of frozen broccoli in my freezer. And like, I needed two jars of pickled beets. And there's like very specific lists of things that I would have to nest with to feel yes. prepared to deal yeah. with that event. Um, of course, I go first to broccoli and pickled beets. That's just... <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who knows me would attest. But yeah, so I think that panic is, is a natural first thing that many people felt when, including myself, when you lose that first, or when you first feel like you, you can't really anticipate what's going to happen next. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's very real. So do you think that having had this experience where, you know, you felt like other people came online and, hmm. you know, were feeling the same thing, like, has that given you, I don't know, like a new, I don't know, hope or um, a feeling like you, I mean, it makes you feel less alone for sure. Like, do you, I think you've said that to me before. I don't know if you said that tonight, but hmm. um, like, how does it, I don't know, like, does it, how does it shift for the future or like, is this something you can carry forward? Like, what do you, I don't know. I don't know what I'm asking, but just like. Yeah, no, based on everything you're thinking about, I think I get it. Like, do I feel like there's a bigger change or like a shift in perspective? That's. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of... That's a nicer articulation of that. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I've seen the same pattern happen with when I, had my first diagnosis and then when I went through finding out I had metastatic cancer it's like yeah. everyone's there for a bit um and then things kind of fall into routine right good point and for me actually I've already had a moment this week where I felt like the switch flipped again and I was back to carrying the burden by myself in a very different way now based on like how things in my professional life have evolved in the past month but but just like, oh, now it's my job again and I need to be making sure I do certain things on my own and that I advocate for myself in certain ways. Mm -hmm. So I think like you have talked about this a lot over this period of this is an opportunity for us all to reevaluate how we act and our habits and the way we communicate with our families and our friends. And I think there's a lot of signs that I've seen of people um, being more connected. Uh, and I think that a lot of people are realizing, oh, hey, like having a video call with a bunch of other scientists in other countries once every few weeks where we share data is actually a really great thing. And none of us have to travel. We can just do it while we have coffee in the morning. And that's, yeah. that's pretty fantastic. Or talking to our families every couple of days instead of every month. Like that's something I've really appreciated. Mm -hmm. um, and how easy it is to do it with tools that are available. But just in the same, like we all develop our routines and we all kind of fall back into patterns that we had before. And we've all gotten busy again with, like if we have jobs still, if we're fortunate to be in that situation, things have kind of struck a, a rhythm where we're all back to being busy. I know. I mean, that's even our text conversation earlier today where I was like, shit, <laughs> I double booked us <laughs> for tonight because I've got this yeah. other thing happening in yeah. 20 minutes. And I'm like, I have, I have gotten to that. And I actually, 
I know. Anyway, that's, I don't know, that's a different thing to unpack. But yeah, it's like there's a new routine. I mean, in my defense, my life hasn't changed a whole lot in all of this. Like, yeah. I did work from home a lot. I did do a lot of like, <laughs> teleconferencing, you know, and um, the the beauty of it has been that I haven't felt the social pressure to go out of the house, mm-hmm. which I think is almost <laughs> similar to what you were talking about, where like, you know, the social pressure to not say like, I can't go because of health concerns or whatever. Like I was like, all of a sudden I have this great excuse that like, I can't go out and like see other people. Yeah. Um, and then I had a experience where a friend texted to see if we could like go hang out, but not really hang out, like do the social distancing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. and I was just like, no, I don't want plans. Like I don't want like to do anything. And like, I had like a major, like, oh my God, mm-hmm. life as we know it has changed again. And I just got like really happy with this routine. Yeah. I've seen as things start to like bubble under the surface of, okay, we've gotten a few emails, like let's start making plans for how we're going to reintegrate. And yeah. a lot of people have expressed to me the same thing, like, shit, I just got used to this. Like, I'm not ready to like, I know move out of pandemic mode. Um, and that's, it's, points out to the fact that what's really stressful in life is the transitions. It's not necessarily being isolated versus not isolated. But also what I do feel like I was trying to connect with something else you said, but the, mm. the routines that we get, cause that's what we do, right? Are we naturally want to find our routines, mm-hmm. um, which is helpful for us, especially in times of stress where it's like habitual patterns and stuff. But um but then it's like, what are we, you know, what are we losing? Are we still doing too much? Like, are we still doing too much as a culture? Like, you know, if we can't, if we do get too busy, like, I mean, am I doing too much? I don't, I honestly, when I compare myself to other people, Mike just gave me this like side eye look. (laughs) As I've talked about probably 10 different businesses I wanted to start in the last two weeks. The most recent, so recent of which was a think tank for women to like think and plan for our future, but I won't yeah, go into that. Yeah, yeah. But Separate. yeah, it's like, yeah, like there's just, there's too much to do and I get consumed by that. And I, that's part of what I've liked about this mm-hmm. pandemic is like, it's like, oh yeah, everyone gets to slow down and I want slowness. And so if everyone slows down, then I slow down because I mm-hmm. keep up with everyone else. But now it's like I'm almost like going my pattern anyway like I can't I can't do it so um but I want I want to just like slow down and connect with people and that be my life I just want to like hang out and then when people show up I want people to come over to my house and I make biscuits and we just chat hang out <laughs> well Mandy I think that answer to that question is that's very much you as an individual and you, you just said it yourself. You fell into this routine of being too busy and having all your ideas and nothing's going to contain you. So if you want to slow down, it's up to you. You do the work. I know. Cool. Damn it. I thought this was the answer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> enough about me. Um, <laughs> and what else do you want to say about your experience during the pandemic? Mm-hmm. So this is actually relevant. So the other main thing I've been thinking about a lot is the use of distraction. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, this relates to going through 
uh, physical pain because I've had situations now either like it's actually mostly recovering from treatment because as you learn if you have cancer <laughs> and to um, underscore a point that was made by a certain political leader the treatment is always worse than the disease but we won't get into that either. Mm -hmm. um, so coming off of chemo, I'll feel really awful. And there are times when I just like, there's no over-the-counter medication that I can take to relieve the symptoms. And one of the things that health providers actually recommend is to distract yourself and listen to a podcast, watch a show, watch a movie, do anything you need to do. Um, talk to other people to take your mind off the suffering and it will alleviate and that's it really does work however um since i mentioned earlier i am somebody who tends to engage deeply with my feelings it struck me as this became like a regular occurrence and also in dealing with some of the more significant psychological things that come up when you have cancer like you don't want to always be distracting yourself from the reality of your physical body and your, the way you think about it. You want mm -hmm. to live it. And this came up for me, particularly when I said something like, um, this particular day of the cycle after this type of chemo feels so terrible that I just want it to be over. I wish it would be over and I want to be in the next day. And while that makes a lot of sense if you're in pain and if you're suffering, the act of saying that I wished my life was over or that I wished this day was over was really troubling to me. Because if I have many of those days, say I feel that way 25% of my life, do I really wish that 25% of my life was over? Yeah. And I talked with my therapist about this a lot, but it, it kind of just gets at the, what's probably some kind of Buddhist thing, like enduring suffering um, versus living in it. I don't know. Yeah. At all, at all, actually. But Be, being with it, being mindful of it, I guess, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. So I have a feeling that a lot of, people, including myself, are using distraction as a tool right now yeah. to kind of not fully engage with some of the scary things that are happening, whether it be the disease and the virus or the way that people who are managing our countries are effectively or ineffectively dealing with it. But I personally feel like if I wanted something to change moving forward or if I wanted to encourage the world to do something right now is to actually engage with that fear and anxiety and frustration and uncertainty a little bit, because I feel like that's when you talk about this being an opportunity, I feel like that's one of the greatest opportunities is look and think and feel and figure out what that means for you as an individual. What, how does it make you feel and what do you want to do? How do you want to help? What would you do going forward if you could get back out in the world? That's beautiful. 
That's so good. That was, I love exactly how you said all of that because it's, that's it. I mean, that is though, like at the very basic level, that's the opportunity to like, just be with this discomfort or whatever it is and, and see it. And, and fundamentally that's, what's important as we evolve individually in this life. But uh, that's also what I think you're right. Lots of people are not doing because they're wishing this time away. Like this will, this won't last forever, but it is now. And I mean, that's not taking into account, like I, many, many people are like sick, are providing healthcare or like are parenting and that it seems like you wouldn't have the luxury of sitting and engaging with things. But at the same time, I really feel like kind of like what you've been talking about with parenting a little bit more flexibly and just letting the kids drive and trying to be okay with that. Yeah. Exhausting and it's going to wear you down. Um, But if you stay present and you kind of try to appreciate that, you know, like we've been what 40, did I say earlier it was 48 days? Yeah. Pandemic. Like that's 48 days of pandemic, but like every child is only going to be two years old for 365 days. So that's, I know that's like a fair chunk of getting to witness what the kid is doing. Yeah. Phase of their life. So it can happen on many levels. It doesn't necessarily need to be the only focus of your day, but I feel like it's really helped me at least to, and on days or weeks when I've had to focus more on work, I've noticed that I feel destabilized and I need to sit back down at my table and look at the window and think about what's going on and have some feelings. And that is what the slowness is that I I yearn for, um, which is why I was so happy. I will admit happy when this happened. Like I felt this sense of relief, just like you did yeah. about the, like, everyone being on the same page kind of thing, because I felt like it it needed to slow down. And I would I would say all the time, like I, this world needs to stop. It needs to just slow down. It needs to slow down. I don't even know what that meant, but I just felt the the energy of it too much. And then it's happened, and I'm like, this is this is great. And now I know I can't even remember what I was gonna say. <laughs> just that, like it's that's this opportunity. That is this opportunity. And and then once we've slowed down, we get to decide what we want to do next. Like that is the 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 beauty of this is that an, a, an intuition of feeling like a knowledge inner knowing or something, whatever of how we're supposed to live our lives after mm-hmm. is what, what is, can come from this if mm-hmm. we don't distract ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, do we want to now say, no, when you're sick, we should stay home. Like, is this a new cultural trend that we want to, you know, imp- just live, not impose, but live. And is it, you know, that we care about, human well-being and physical and mental well-being is that Mm -hmm. more important than whether we do our deliverables you know (laughs) yeah well it's like you mentioned earlier that it has to come from a lot of higher levels um the leadership of the systems within which we all work 
yeah. in order for that to be an option. But I really hope that it's something that we all take seriously as these plans to get back to quotes, like get back to normal are being mm -hmm. formulated and put in place. Yeah. I feel very lucky in a sense that I've had the time to learn for myself how to not feel bad about slowing down and just sitting and thinking and feeling because I've needed that to stay healthy and to not just stay healthy, but to like continue my work and my career and to be in love with life um, in the past four years. And so I w it was like very simple to fall into that routine amidst the pandemic. So, so I guess I learned something. <laughs> you did learn something. And I'm going to leave it with a teaser <laughs> since it's 7.52 p.m. Okay. Because mm. it's it's worked and it's been successful for you. And I'm going to leave it there because we'll mm -hmm. talk about why and what that means uh, next episode. <laughs> but it works. It's it's You can yeah. still do all that you need to do in your career and still take time for you and be yes. be mindful of you. So. This data points confirms yes. N equals one. <laughs> okay. Well, thank <laughs> you. Um, thanks for sharing your experience and your wisdom with uh, with me and everyone tonight. Always a pleasure. It's good to be back. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll we'll talk soon about other stuff. I'm just gonna stop the recording. Okay. And then we can debrief. <laughs> okay.